Back to the Mishnah at the top of Tesman Aleph. You do not have to be concerned that after you already checked the place for Chametz, or perhaps you do not um, do not check a place for Chametz, but there's no reason to think that it had Chametz in the first place. You don't have to be concerned that afterwards, what happened is, then the Cholda brought Chametz. What's the Cholda? Cholda is a weasel, right? And maybe the Cholda brought Chametz from one place to the other. From a house to a house, or from a room to a from place to a place. The imkain, if so, if you have to be concerned that after already checked an area, perhaps the holder then came and dragged stuff into the area that was not there previously, then you would never be able to stop checking. You have to keep constantly keep on checking to make sure that there's no mice, there's no rats, there's no weasels bringing food from one place to the other. Yumar now is going to discuss the idea of <laughs> this is a famous um, topic. The topic that comes up many places in Chas, and it is a problem that we deal with in, in life all the time, right? And this is what happens when you are faced with a doubtful matter against a certain matter, okay? So, time out, delay chazina. The reason why you do not be concerned that perhaps a weasel came and moved it here is because we never saw a weasel take chametz. A chazina de shakal, but if we would have seen the weasel take chametz, chashina, then it would have had to be concerned that perhaps the weasel brought the chametz into this area. Ubay badika, and I would need to do another badika. Another check. Umar asks, Who am I? Why do I have to be concerned that maybe he maybe he brought the, the chametz into this area? Nema, what we should be able to say is very simple. Achaltiya, he ate the chametz. Me like nan. Did we not learn in a Mishnah? Madura Sa'akum, right? Madura Sa'akum, the place that non-Jews live in, Mayam. They are considered to be Tameh. Why are they considered to be Tameh? Because the assumption is that when a non-Jew has a when a non-Jew has a uh, has a miscarriage, what they do is they bury the baby inside their houses. Okay? So now that it's going to render the house virtually impure. But Kama Yisha how many days does the Nanju have to be living in this place for us to then assume that he already brought a, a dead body into it and buried it there? It says 40 days. Even if he's not married, we still would assume that maybe he ended up well, he's in some sort of illicit relationship and that baby was born and and then uh, died, and they buried it in the ground. If there is a place where a weasel or a pig can root around, we are not concerned that perhaps there is a dead body buried there. Why? Because we know what happens. The weasel or the, or the pig would have taken the body. And not only would have taken the body, it would not have left anything behind. Because if it left even a kazayas worth of body behind, it would still create a situation of tumma. This is all, by the way, rabbinic toma. And this is not on a Torah level toma. Now, Amr of David. So what are we trying to bring out from here, though? The whole story that we're trying to bring out from is a very simple idea. You see from the story that when a, a weasel gets involved, when it comes to taking food items, so a little bit gruesome to think of that as a food item, but in their eyes, it is a food item, there's nothing left behind. So why do we have to be concerned that perhaps the weasel left comets behind? Amr of Zedera, Lekash, it's not a question. You can't compare the two things. You have a gluten-free weasel. So the weasel is not going to spend that much time eating up all the bread. But when it comes to meat, then he's going to eat up all the uh, meat. When it comes to meat, he doesn't leave anything over. When it comes to bread, he leaves over. Amar Rava, Rava says, Hi, Mai. What exactly are you saying? Fish, over there. But it comes to the, the meat, Amar have it. Amar have it. We can say maybe there was a baby buried here. Maybe there wasn't a baby buried here. And even if there was a baby buried here, if it was in a place where the weasel is liable to go rooting around, you can assume that it is no longer here. 
and you'd say that maybe it was there, maybe the animal already ate it. Over here, where you saw for sure that it did actually take it, you now have to establish with the certainty that it actually ate it too. It is a doubtful case in a certain case, and a doubtful case does not take out a certain case. In other words, Rabbah is giving a different answer. I don't have to come on to a difference between meat and bread. I could say the difference is like this. We have a, a vadai that the weasel actually had the chametz in its hand. We don't have a vadai that it ate the chametz afterwards. When it comes to the case of the dead body, we don't even know if there ever was a dead body. So now you want to tell me maybe there was a dead body? Well, if you say maybe there was a dead body, I say maybe the weasel ate it. But if I see that there is the chametz here for sure and the weasel took it, then I have to be concerned that maybe the chametz actually was left in a different place. Ain't suffering me to And then the doubt, oh, so the asked like this. Is it true that a doubtful case does not take out a, a certain case? Is that true? But Tanya, what we learned in a bright Chaber, you have a chaber. So who is a chaber? A chaber is someone who is trustworthy that they take the trumas and maizus. They take the necessary tithes from all of their food items. Okay, so you have a chaber. We refer to these people as fellow travelers. Yes, I guess some of us do. Um, I wish we were all chaverim. Um, I don't know if we all, uh, we don't have the same obligations today, so I don't know if we all do it, but yeah, I hear you. So chaver shemes, you have a chaver who died. You have someone who's normally very meticulous about taking all of the chumlas and maestros properly. And he dies. And he left behind a megura, right, like a silo, full of fruits. And even if these fruits and vegetables are only one day old, we are allowed to presume that he already took the proper tithes. Even though he just died, and his fruits are only a day old, you can presume that he took it before he died. But over here, these peris were definitely tevo. And there is a doubt whether or not he actually took the maizer. Maybe he did not take the maizer. And still, what we say is that the doubtful whether or not he took the Meiser, is going to take out from the status of the fact that it was at one point a Vadai not having Trumas or Meiser taken from it. Okay? So what do we see from here? So we see from there that even in a scenario where there was a Vadai Isser, there was Vadai prohibition, there was certain prohibition that you needed to take Trumas or Meiser, and you only had a doubt as to whether or not he took it, and still were able to rely on the fact that maybe he took it. So that really goes back to our original question. And we spoke about a question of where you don't know for sure if there was a body here. Where you, I'm sorry, where you know for sure there was chametz, and you know for sure that the weasel took it, but you don't know if the weasel ever brought it back into a place where now you would be obligated to check. That should be a case of vadai against the suffix, and you should be permitted to rely on the suffix. Gemara says, Hasam vadai vivadai hu. The case over there is also a case of one vadai, one certainty against another certainty. They certainly, a chaver, no matter what, does not leave over food that is not yet taken the tithe from it. He does not leave it over even a moment. As Rebbe Hanina Chuzah says. I'm Rebbe al chaver. There is a presumption about a chaver. That you will not find, not take anything out from him that is not yet in Trumas and Meisters taken off from it. Um, suffolk to suffolk. Or you could say it's really a case of a suffolk and a suffolk. Dilma me'ekara emar, the loitvili. As you can say like this, maybe initially it was never tavel in the first place. This food had never become tavel. Why? 
Maybe what he did is the ruling of Rav Aishia. What does Rav Aishia do? Someone could play tricks with the with the produce, right? The grain. What do you do? Like this. If you bring the produce into your house before it reaches the final level of processing, final stage of processing, you are not obligated to take trumas and maitras yet. So if you take it in while it's still in the surrounding shaft, right? Then your animal can end up eating it and you won't have to take the meister. Now, if you do that, if you bring it into the house in an unfinished state, right, it then becomes exempt from Trumas or meister. So perhaps this is food that was never obligated in Trumas or meister in the first place. And therefore, ain't Suffolk, and then the Gemara then says like this, and is it true that Suffolk never takes that from Avadai, that when you have a doubtful scenario of permission versus a certain scenario of prohibition, that it doesn't become permitted? Is that true? Tanya, new Brisa. Okay, to analyze this question of when you have a doubtful ideal or doubtful scenario up against a certain scenario where at one point you know for sure it was prohibited and then you have a doubt whether or not it became permitted. Is it permitted? But Tanya, we learned in a Brisa. I'm going to be Huda. Okay, so is it true that the suffix does not take out from Avade? New Brisa that seems to indicate that it does. But Tanya, I'm going to be Huda. You have um, Rabbi Huda says like this in a Brisa. There was a story with a shifcha, with a Jewish maidservant of a a matzik. A matzik is a, not a particularly nice guy. She threw her or um, her nafal, her miscarriage, and her miscarried baby into the bar into a pit. And the kayan came to check if this baby that was miscarried was it a zachar or a nekeva. And there's ramifications for how long she will be in a state of ritual impurity. If it is in the keva, she'll be ritually impure for 14 days and then ritually pure for 66 days. And if it is sacher, she'll be ritually impure for seven days and ritually pure for 33 days. So the Kayan came to look at this miscarried animal. How long is she going to be impure for? And when the Kayan came, he bent over the cave. Okay? Now, the Gemara now is going to ask like this. The story came in front of the Ruhu, And they, create, they said that the Kayan is tahor. He's in a state of ritual purity. Because if you have a pit, very often you have a cholda and a bardalas, right? So a cholda is, like you said, a weasel, a bardalas, like a different type of, um, uh, like a ferret or something of that nature. That it's considered to be the type of animal that is uh, assumed to be a damaging animal. But sui and chum, they are often found in these types of holes. Over here, this is a case of where it was certainly, the baby was thrown in there, the, the miscarried baby was thrown in there. And there's only a doubt as to whether or not it was actually removed. The suffix like Garu, maybe it was not removed. And still they said that he's rendered ritually pure. Now, if he would have leaned over that pit and there would be a dead body in that pit, even if it was a baby, he would become ritually impure by dint of leaning over a dead body. So the fact that the sages rendered him ritually pure means that they said, we know for sure there was a dead body there. But there's a suffix, whether there's a doubt whether or not the dead body was removed. And that itself is sufficient. So when it comes back to our question of, you know for sure that the weasel moved the chametz. You don't know where he put it down. We should say, I know for sure he moved it. I don't know where he put it down. It should be a state of, I'm certain that there's no chametz here, or I could treat it as if there's no chametz here. And still we say, you can't do that because we know for sure he moved it. We know for sure that he had it in his mouth. So why over there by the case of the dead body do we say we know for sure that he is ritually pure? Our answer is, Maybe she didn't actually give birth to a, a, a through a miscarriaged um, baby into there. Maybe she miscarried something and it was similar to a navel, similar to a, to a dead fetus. But maybe it was like too, too early on and was not yet formed. Maybe it was, uh, you know, just the afterbirth. Who knows what it was? 
Ave suffix to suffix. And then it was one doubt against another doubt. It was a doubt whether or not there was anything in there in the first place that would have rendered her rich, rendered the Kayan ritually impure for leaning over. And it was a doubt whether or not a weasel had come and taken it out of the cave. What do you mean? The reason why he looked down is to figure out if the mother was pure or impure. That means that he was going to be able to tell if the baby was a baby, a male or female baby. So how can you tell me that it was, we weren't sure what she threw in there? We know what she threw in there. It was a baby. What he was looking to see is not whether or not she had given birth to a male or female. Rather to see, did she give birth to something that was already formed enough that would render her ritually impure? And by the way, here's the halacha. Someone gives birth to him, it miscarries. And you're not able to tell yet if it was a male or female baby. It's too early. So they have to treat it as if it is ritually impure, as, a, as if it was a female baby. Okay, so we're not sure what type of baby she gave birth to. So the halacha is that, um, that because we're not sure, therefore it's already enough that we say that he's ritually pure. Why? Even if she actually did give birth to a, you know, an actual form fetus and would have rendered him ritually impure, and the Kayan looked down to see whether or not it was a Zachar Nekeva. But since it wasn't even certain that it was a baby at all, therefore, the fact that it's uncertain if there was a baby and the fact that it's uncertain if the weasel took the baby away, he's rendered ritually pure. By the same another answer, indeed it is a case of a certainty against a certainty. In a case where you know for sure that weasels and and this uh, ferret are often in this pit, and they're always in this pit, essentially, then you don't even have any doubt about it that he certainly had already removed the baby by the time the kind came to check it out. It's true that sometimes they end up leaving something over, but one thing's for sure, they definitely had already dragged it out. But do we say that we, we are never, we are not concerned that perhaps the Cholda ended up dragging the Chametz away and put it back into the place we already checked? But we learned later on the next Mishnah. That which he left over, you should put away into a Tzina, into a place that is uh, hidden. So they won't have to do any more checking after that, right? Because if, if it's not going to be in a hidden place, then we have to be... <coughs> If it's not in a hidden place, then we have to be concerned that perhaps the weasel is going to drag it away. So it says over there that when you finish doing your badika and you find whatever chametz is left over, put it into a hidden place that an, a weasel does not have access to. Because if he does, he's going to drag it away. So we see that we are concerned that he's going to drag it away. One of them is talking about when you did the badika on the 14th. One of them is talking about when you did the badika on the 13th. On the 13th, when there's still bread in most houses, right, or all houses, the weasel is not going to be hiding chametz. The weasels have a calendar. I'm kidding, obviously. But the weasels know there's still chametz around. They're not going to end up hiding bread. They don't need to hide the bread, right? But on the 14th, when there is not normally chametz in all the houses, then then the weasel is going to end up taking it and putting it somewhere else. You're going to have to do a recheck to make sure that he did not put it anywhere in this house or in this area. Ah, so the itself asked this question. Rabbi says, I understand. The Choldos are Nevi'im. How do they know when it's the 14th? The other, the Ha'inna Arbeyasar. How do they know when it's the 14th of Nisan, right? You know, sometimes adults don't know when it's the 14th of Nisan. How's the Choldos supposed to know? And therefore, we know that they're not going to be baking anymore. Oh, I better leave some food over because I'm not going to have anything to eat. Rather, what it says is like this. 
when you when you're leaving over stuff after you did your after you did your badikas, right? You should put it in a hidden place. Because maybe the weasel will take the chametz in front of us. And then you're going to need to do another search afterwards. We learned in a rice like Rava. If someone wants to eat chametz after the badika, after the, on 14th, and they want to eat chametz, what should they do? That which you're leaving over, you have to put into betzina, put it into a hidden place. Because if the cholto would come and take it in front of our eyes, we then have to do a whole nother badika everywhere that you search the right. Why do you put the chametz in a hidden place? Because maybe we'll be concerned that you left over 10 pieces of chametz, and when you're looking, you're only going to find one. You're only, I'm sorry, you're only going to find nine. You'll know that one is missing. So put the chametz in a place that there's no doubt that it won't end up getting missing. Let's say you have nine piles of chametz. I'm sorry, nine piles of matzah, one pile of chametz. And a, and a achbar comes and takes one of these piles. You don't know if he took a, a pile of matzah or a pile of chametz. Now, what do you mean? How could you not know, right? Uh, we would know today, right? It, it, it's pretty obvious today, right? You know, the Gemara was talking about in a time when the chametz and matzah actually looked pretty similar, right? It was both both were lapa, like like a lapa type of loaf, right? Probably. Um, the difference is how careful were they to ensure that it got big very very quickly, and that the whole process took place so quickly that to ensure that it did not turn into chametz. But the end result could have looked pretty similar. I knew Tisha. This is the case of nine stores, right? So the Gemara is going to talk about the idea of the nine stores, right? This is the idea of roiv, right? When you have a majority of a, in one section, you're allowed to assume that an item that you have comes from the majority, okay? Um, now, if you had one pile that was already from the other piles, was moved away, and then an achbar, a mouse comes and takes it, that's the case of the, the latter part of the mish- end of the Mishnah, the Tanan, as we learned later on. You have nine stores. Kulon, Meichren, Basar, Shechuta. All of them are selling kosher meat, right? Meat that was shechted, right? Geshechten. Achas, Meichren, Basar, Nevela. One of them is selling meat that is not kosher, right? It's an animal that died without having shechita. But Lakach, Meachas, Mehen. And he took meat from one of them. Ve'eni, Yedeh, Me'ez, Mehen, Lakach. He doesn't know which store he took it from. Sveikai, Asr. So since it is unsure if the meat that is going, the meat that he's eating is meat that is mutter, is kosher to be eaten, or meat that is not kosher to be eaten, it is forbidden to eat it. Ubenimtza. But if the meat is outside the store, then you can go after the majority and assume that the meat comes from one of these stores that is selling the kosher meat. You have two bundles, right? One bundle is chametz, one bundle is matzah. And then in front of it, there's two houses. One house is ready to check, one house is not yet checked. You have two mice coming. One of these mice took matzah, one of them took chametz. They're both gone, both powers are gone. But like a din on high lahai aisle, the high lahai aisle, right? And you don't know which one went into which house. So if the guy, if the mouse that took the matzah was a navi, then presumably it would go into the house that was already checked for chametz. And if the other one would put the chametz into the house that wasn't yet checked, but you don't know which one was which, right? Now what do you do? So this is the case of two kupas, two baskets. It's none. We learned in a mission. You have two baskets. One of them is chulin food, right? Food that everybody is permitted to eat, non-consecrated food. And one of them is truma food that only kahanim are permitted to eat. And in front of them, there are two sa worth, two sa sized um, uh, baskets. One of them is chulin, uh, one of them is truma. And now one basket fell, one basket, which either chulin or truma, fell into the chulin, and the other basket, either truma or chulin, fell into the truma. You don't know which one fell into which. 
mutarin. They're both permitted. I'm allowed to assume that the chulin one fell into the, the chulin basket fell into the chulin pile, and the truma basket fell into the truma pile. So, so too over here, we should say the same thing that the, the mouse that took the chametz went into the house that wasn't checked, the mouse that took the matzah went into the house that wasn't checked. Gemara says, When do we say that, um, because I say, and therefore you can assume that the, that the, uh, the default continues, that the house that was not yet checked remained the house that had chametz, the house that was checked wasn't. When can you say that? That's not true about chametz and matzah, right? It's only We only say this when it comes to the two baskets. Because over there, it is only a rabbinic concern. Truma today is not the Arisa. The chametz, the Arisa, miyamrinan. But now you have a case of chametz, and you're not sure where the chametz is to be found. Is the chametz in the house that was already checked, or is the chametz in the house that was not already checked? Well, guess what that's called? That's called a suffix Arisa, a doubt about a Arisa law. And what happens by a doubt about a Arisa law? The <laughs> you have to be machmer. Who told you that you could <coughs> rely on this concept to assume that the chametz went into the chametz house and the matzah went into the matzah house. Who told you you can rely on that when it comes to what is related to a question about a deraisa law? The Gemara says, Is there indeed an obligation to check for chametz on the Torah level? There's no obligation to check for chametz on the Torah level. It's only a rabbinic, a rabbinic enactment. On a Torah level, if you nullified it, that would already be enough. Right? So the Gemara is saying like this, the very fact that now you're asking, do I have to check for chametz in this house or chametz in that house? Technically, on a Torah level, you're going to do your bittel. You're going to do your nullification. And when you're doing your nullification, even if you had chametz in your house, technically, you're really fine, right? So we learned earlier, the famous Machalikas Rashi and Taisvis, right? That Rashi says the reason why you have to do, um, the reason why you have to do the, the badika, even though you're anyways going to do the bittel, is because the, is because in case you end up finding something on, on Pesach, right? The, the and and Taisa says the reason is because we're concerned that you might end up eating it, right? So the question is, is it because we think that your bedika won't be sorry, your 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 bitl, your nullification won't be a real nullification because when you see it, you'll want it, or is it because we're actually concerned that you might forget and come to eat it? But either way, on a Torah level, as soon as you do your bitl, you're fine. There's no more isra balye ra'e balye matze that perhaps you might find chametz, you might see chametz in your house on on Pesach. So therefore, on a Torah level, you really satisfy the problem by doing the bittel. So it's only on a rabbinic level that we require checking for chametz at all. So the chachamim were lenient and said that if you could assume that the mouse took the chametz into the chametz house and the matzah into the matzah house, you're allowed to assume that and you're allowed to be lenient and we do not require an additional bedika after the first checking. We don't require another checking.